Hey now, we are getting over, and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times. That it with the WWE Clash of Champions Gold Rush edition of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. I missed the words ultimate preview there. I think the pay-per-view name is long enough, but we are going to be here talking all things WWE ahead of their latest pay-per-view coming this Sunday, Clash of Champions, Gold Rush. And man, there is a lot to talk about. Not all of it great. In fact, that word probably should not be used to describe almost anything that happened Monday night on Raw, but we're going to get to all of that momentarily for now. We got to break into the show today. Silver King, you know how you can follow me on Twitter, at Silverstein Adam. This other guy, my co-host, Chris Vanini, you can follow him, at Chris Vanini. Uh, I don't know what we call you. Do we stick with vintage, Chris? Do we move into V-Bar? Um, what do we call you, yeah, I think we need retribution names. Uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Slapdog. That's my name. You're Slapdog. I'm, I don't have the creativity at this time in the morning to come up with one for for me, but I will come up with something before hopefully the end of the show. Uh, but you can follow the show on Twitter. More importantly, at Getting Overcast, and at any time while you're listening, because guess what? You can do two things at once. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, drop us a five star rating and review. Let us know how much you love the show. Um, it helps every single time you give us a review. And don't forget also, tell your friends about your favorite wrestling podcast because not only are we giving you an ultimate preview of WWE Clash Champions Gold Rush, we're going to give you instant analysis Sunday night immediately after the pay-per-view is off the air. So you are going to get the full works here from the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. But yeah, I got to say, Chris, and we're going to talk about it momentarily. I'm not as excited about this pay-per-view as I have been recently, and I kind of feel like that is a statement I want to make about the product as a whole because, you know, WWE, I think for a period of time they won us over, but with football starting, um, college football and the NFL, college football seriously getting underway soon with the SEC coming back, and then obviously a month from now the Big Ten coming back, you know, this is always the time of year where wrestling doesn't necessarily take a back seat, but... It has to share my headspace, for lack of a better term. And I don't know that it's going to keep up if it's if it keeps going the way it has been, you know, for the last month or so. Yeah, I did not realize Clash of Champions was Sunday until watching Raw yesterday. And I was like, oh, we're here. <laughs> it, <laughs> I it, thought, it was actually a legitimate amount of time. It just snuck yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was I kept thinking for the past handful of weeks. All right, they have time to build a clash of champions. <laughs> right. They're gonna they're gonna take they're gonna get into it eventually. And suddenly we're here and we're not <laughs> we're not into it. But on we go. And you know what, man? Let's just hop into this. Let's get into the main event. Because we are gonna talk all things WWE Clash of Champions at the end of the show. We will give you a full ultimate preview, breaking down every single match with our thoughts, our picks, where we think WWE is going to go from here. If you want to skip right to that, which you shouldn't, but if you want to, we have the timestamps in our episode description. But I do want to start talking a little Clash of Champions um, and the overall build for this show, because we are coming out of what were definitely the best back-to-back WWE pay-per-views in quite some time. SummerSlam 
and Payback. Payback massively exceeded our expectations. And SummerSlam was a really good show. So WWE, about five weeks ago, four weeks ago, whatever it was, had a lot of positive momentum to roll with here. And even on this podcast, we were talking about how it seemed like they had finally figured things out. And even after that Raw that was between SummerSlam and Payback, that was a total disaster. That episode was trash. Payback was so good that it seemed like WWE was really trying. And now what we have seen since then is that WWE Raw, especially on Monday nights, three of the last five weeks has been bad to awful. The other two episodes, mediocre, but acceptable. Normally you'd shrug your shoulders and say, okay, we move on to the next week. So SmackDown is rolling along. Raw has become trash. And we have a pay-per-view coming up on Sunday that has nine matches on the show because every title has to be on the line, a corner WWE backed itself into. (laughs) But only four of the nine matches have any type of legitimate, intriguing build where I actually care about the match that I'm going to see on the pay-per-view. Yep, that's a good way to put it. It's... It's been very weird, you know, the way WWE has been handling things over the past few weeks and months where there are feuds, there are major feuds on TV that are not on pay-per-views. And I think this is an example of where that takes away from it because you're replacing some feuds that maybe had some heat that are not going to be on pay-per-view because you got to fit in all the championship matches and a lot right. of these championship matches have just been shoehorned in there with an opponent to to find at the last minute. So, like, you know, we, we, we get another uh, another big Seth Ray Mysterio thing, and we're just we're not dealing with that on, on the pay-per-view. We've had some pay-per-views without an Intercontinental Championship match. And so it's just been it's been weird outside of SummerSlam, really. Well, I guess even 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 including SummerSlam. We just we haven't had like a full show that feels like everything big that's going on is going to be addressed on this show. And once again, even on a pay-per-view that is all title matches, we're, we're still not getting that. Right. And it's like SummerSlam and WrestleMania, you know, of course, with Royal Rumble and Survivor Series, et cetera. But, but those are the big shows. So if you want to defend every title and you want to build really strong for one big moment, those are the shows you do it on. And look, the Intercontinental title has not been defended on pay-per-view in months. But this match, the IC title match, we're going to talk about it later in our ultimate preview. It has a good build. It makes sense. So, okay, that's one of them, right? That's a positive. But but there are so many matches. And look, we knew about it coming in. We talked about it, especially on Raw with the United States Championship and the tag team title. We said, they don't have anybody. Like, they gave zero effort into building a United States Championship feud. And they don't have tag teams on Raw. So the fact that we're getting Street Profits against Andrade and Angel Garza, to me, is zero surprise. I mean, both matches are no surprise. But... There was zero build to them. And it's just, it's it's lazy. It's dumb. It's treating your fans like you think they are dumb. I mean, you had Apollo basically, the, the entire announcement of the United States Championship match, and we'll get to this in the ultimate preview, but it was Apollo Crews saying, Lashley, don't think I forgot about you. And it's like, oh, so now you're a contender again? You haven't even talked about the title in three weeks. It's crazy. I had, I, I, yeah, I had forgotten this was going on. It, it was nuts. So it's just... 
it's depressing and it's strange. And we're going to talk about it a, a little bit later. But to see what's happening Monday nights, I mean, clearly they are scrambling with Monday night football, right? And clearly they are scrambling because of those ratings that were exceedingly low for a couple of weeks that did seem to rebound a little bit with the Thunderdome and with some of the angles they did, but maybe are going to trickle right back down because of the NFL. They are lost on Mondays. Fridays, they have seemed to, they seem to have found something and they're rolling pretty solid. Mm-hmm. But dude, they're struggling on Monday. And no greater example of that is retribution, which Go for it. let's get into it. We just got to get into retribution is now signed to WWE. And the show opened with them mauling and ruining and, and tearing down the hurt business. You know, I, let's start positive because there's going to be so few positives. There really are that I, I, I just want to get them out of the way so that we don't have to keep interrupting the negativity because this is going to be negative when we talk about retribution. The group is defined, right? We know there's five people. Okay, check. Uh, the stupid general black clothes that those five people were wearing are gone. And the masks are now revealing a little bit of them and they seem to have some personalities. Okay, check. Like I'm, I'm reaching here, right? But, but checks for these. Um, I love Dominic Dijakovic. I hated that name and his nationalistic gimmick. Hey, good job. Hey, you said it correctly. You said it correctly. I'm yeah, I know. I know. So, so this is a better way, I guess, to use him specifically. He does come off as a Bane-esque villain. Obviously, a PG version. I did like his backstage promo, though I didn't like the one in the ring. So I guess that's a positive uh, about Dijak. But that's where I stop. So before we get to the negativity, before we talk about everything we didn't like about this, do you have any positive takeaways? Well, you know, we we came off of last week's Raw Really excited about that finish. We really liked the Hurt Business coming out and and getting in that brawl with Retribution. It was a really hot finish. So Mm -hmm. it makes sense to start this Raw with that. And I'm still into the idea of Retribution versus Hurt Business because now Hurt Business isn't necessarily doing this for money. They're doing this for pride, essentially. And even though it's a little weird because they're all heels involved, I still generally like the feel around it. Uh, there are specifics around retribution that have been a problem that we'll get into in a minute. I, I, I get what they were going for. They, they they have them lead off the show. But it just it's it's a little just it's a little weird. And I guess we can get into the negatives here. But I, I'll say that they did a good job last week in, in setting this up. The execution this week was eh. well I think I think that's a great point because we talked about last week Hey, maybe they've saved retribution. And yeah. that's the and that's the problem. It's the false hope, right? It's okay, so they have a logo, they have defined the group, um, they are attacking when it matters, and they seem to have a mission, and it's like, okay, you put us through two months of, sh- of shit, you know, but maybe some stuff is starting to rise to the top. Maybe some cream is rising to the top here. But then they just hit us over the head with everything else. And I don't know if I've ever done this off the bat. Zero point zero. I mean, I haven't even told you why yet. I just know you're going to agree with me. The negatives are insurmountable at this point. And I am of the belief, and I hope they prove me wrong, 
I, I, I pray that WWE proves me wrong. But I am of the belief that Retribution is officially calling it now dead on arrival because the negatives so massively outweighed the positives. Let's start with the opening promos that were so ridiculously overscripted. They didn't feel natural. And they repeated the same thing five times about superstars being whores for money. Worst of all, the criticism doesn't even make sense because Retribution announces they just signed contracts. Wait, wait, wait. I got to start there. Why do they even have to talk about signing a contract? That, I feel like that takes away from this whole Well, point. it's not it, just... It, which is exactly what you're going to say. It was very... I mean, th- so like Tom Phillips like once asked like... like or, or I think Jerry Lawler might have asked how they got a contract. He may have just said that out of his head. I don't know if there was like a plan figuring out who signed them and why. But after weeks of trying to keep them out, why are they all of a sudden signed to a contract? It makes well, no sense. I don't, Unless there's going to be something down the road, but... They didn't really emphasize that. I don't even I don't mind the idea of them being signed because you can explain it, but they didn't. And that's the biggest issue is they yes. signed contracts, but they're accusing the superstars of being money grubbing whores. Yes. But they just signed to be money grubbing whores themselves. They're saying, hey, we hate this attitude and this and the way these superstars carry themselves and the fact that basically they're trying to, to break kayfabe and say, look. You guys all have stupid gimmicks and you're being treated poorly uh, from a, a scripting standpoint from WWE and you're all selling out. You just chose the money over good wrestling. That's what they're really trying to do with this, but they're not actually saying that, right? And instead, now they're taking the money. So doesn't that make them sellouts? Yes, it, it should have been some the hurt business. Somebody wants a match with Retribution. Therefore, WWE will reluctantly sign them to a contract for a whatever like to just come out and say we signed a contract was just like you know it made no sense they didn't act like there's any mystery involved as to why this happened so even if they explain it later it feels like it's going to be retconning what they were doing why are they rewarded for this and yes they're doing exactly what they're criticizing other people i mean it's 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 not the ultimate form of hypocrisy because we know the ultimate form of hypocrisy is happening literally right now uh, you know, not to get political, but we know that's happening. But this is hypocrisy from them. I mean, this is a this is supposed to be a a ragtag, you know, rioting kind of type of group. And look, like you said, yes, yeah, someone demands a match, so they get signed, or they they finally get into the backstage area and they have Adam P- Pierce in a corner. And he's like, "What do guys? What do I have to do to get this to stop?" Right? And and they're like, yeah. "You need to sign us." But even if they did that. And even if they explained them signing contracts, which, by the way, should be a big moment for retribution, not a throwaway line. Hey, we signed. Okay, so that should have been a big, big line. But even if they did that, the idea that their criticism this entire time, this entire time, one show, two shows, is that the superstars are money grubbers is so off base. Had they just said, we are here to fix what ails WWE to save you, the superstars, from the company that may pay you a lot of money, but treats you poorly, doesn't take you seriously, all um, is taking away your creativity, is having you all be shells of your former selves. Had they just said that, 
then you can sign them to a contract because the greed and the money grubbing part of it isn't really the main idea. It's the fact that the people sold their souls, not the fact that they're just getting paid. So so just the conceptualization of this promo was bad. I mean, you know it was scripted because it was so overscripted that there is no way Mia Yim was saying those words herself. Maybe Dijakovic, maybe I could, sorry, T-Bar, we'll get to that in a moment. Maybe T-Bar, you could believe, came up with some of that because he does seem to have some of that in his personality. But even if you're going in that direction with the contracts, you cannot have them immediately be hypocrites. And the very first segment of the show, as they are spitting out the lines, I'm saying, this makes zero sense. And we gave them, dude, a big break, right? We said, look, they're starting this during a pandemic. Clearly, they rushed it to screen because there was a ratings issue. Those first two shows, they taped them back to back. So we said, hey, episode three, when they're no longer taping, when they're doing their new set of tapings, maybe they'll do a little bit more with Retribution. Maybe they won't only be wearing black. Maybe they'll eventually stop calling them the group that calls themselves Retribution. And guess what? They did that. So, okay, congratulations. Uh, (laughs) Okay, you you stop that because now they're signed, I guess. Um, But but we, we gave them so much time to get this right. And then last week, maybe even the last two weeks, we're kind of saying, hey, you know what? We don't know that they're going to get it right. They might get it okay. And then this week, they just, they shit on me. That's, I feel as a fan, as someone who like actually said, you know what? I'll give Retribution a chance. Yeah. They, it's, they gave me the middle finger. They gave me two. They, they, they keep like... <laughs> Every once in a while, you can like see the ideas they're going for and they start to get close to it. And then it just completely takes five steps back. And that, that's, again, what happened here. And again, saying the word superstars in their promo is just like it's it, 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 it again goes against everything the, that they're supposed to be. See, I was OK with that, though, because I'm not. I'm not. Because, that's because not how people talk. That's no, 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 no. Because they're talk. they're se- they're trying to separate themselves. They're saying you superstars. If they, I wish they had said it sarcastically. I, like so, like yeah, so like right, but they didn't. And I went back and watched the promo last didn't. week after we, after we did last week's pod, and it was not said sarcastically. And it's it they're and to again follow that up this week. That's just it's how they're talking because that's WWE vocabulary. It's a little thing, but it really takes you out of what they're supposed to be. So I did this last week, and I did it, uh, and I looked it up again. I'm always curious the day after the show what clips get the most uh, views on YouTube the next day. They kind of really draw up the most interest. So the two retribution things, the, the, the intro and then the final match, have the most views at around like 450,000 and 650,000 between those two. But a Miz versus Roman Reigns full match from... <laughs> years ago okay. uploaded a few hours before that has 612,000 views basically the same thing there there, there was no interest no day after on anything that happened on raw and even the big retribution thing and i'll say that the uh the rome the the, de- the tag team match coming out of smackdown although yes it was a few days later so it has had more time it's got like 1.6 million. Oh years. yeah. So and dude, th- there's there's no interest in anything going on Ron. Even retribution that this was supposed to be their big moment, and it the last two weeks really, but especially this week, 
and it just it hasn't connected. Oh no, I mean, dude, people like people hated the Lana Lashley wedding and all those storylines. Those are doing millions of views on YouTube, and I'm not yep. saying that's the most important thing, but people cared. They wanted to see what it was. It you can give me train wreck television if it's if it's drawing viewers. Mm-hmm. This is not. This is a failure. Zero point zero, Mr. Blutarski. And maybe nothing just shows how big of a failure it is. We've even talked about the names. We gotta talk about the names. So yeah. they announced three of the five names of Retribution. So you have Dio Madden. His name is Mace. You know what? Okay. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna trash things that don't need to be trashed. Mace is a fine name for a wrestler. Okay? No problem. Uh, but let's talk about the other two. <laughs> they take Chris Dijak, guy's real name. Okay? They bring him to NXT. They make him Donovan Dijak before he debuts. Then he debuts Dominic Dijakovic. And now he is T-Bar. Okay. <laughs> I can only laugh every time I hear no, that name. No, 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 no. Wait. And then we have Shane Thorne. And Shane Thorne's name is Slapjack, which just, you know, I don't think it takes a stretch of the imagination to know. You call someone Slapjack, they're going to get called Slap Nuts, they're going to get called Flapjack, and they're going to get called Slap Dick. I don't even know if I can say the last one. Hopefully, no one report me. Okay, I don't know if that's explicit or not. But Jeff, Jeff Jarrett's uh, nodding in approval somewhere. But who, Chris... Who the fork, to stay unexplicit here, inexplicit, came up with these names? Are Mia Yim and Mercedes Martinez going to debut next week as Bebop and Rocksteady? Like, could, you could not make up worse names if you tried. And I get it. I know, I know the references, okay? They're all weapons, rioting items. T-Bar is a nickname for a gun. A slapjack is that black leather thing that you can hit someone over the back with. Mace is mace, you know, it's pepper spray. I get it. I understand. But there have to be better options. You know, this answered a question I I really wanted answered, and that was these people coming over from NXT uh, are or coming up, whatever. Are we going to see their whole faces? Are they going to be the same characters? And I don't know if the mask is an attempt to differentiate them, but this is clearly not. Dominic Dijakovic and Miriam, because if they were, I mean, you can't, it's been established that you can't just ignore NXT. It's canon now. So it's not, I I guess these are supposed to be different people than what they were in NXT, which is, I don't think the right decision. I, I, I thought they should play off of how things were really going and saying we shouldn't be in NXT anymore. We're dealing with the scraps. You know, we want to come to their main roster, change things, whatever. They're not doing that. These are just random people. So we have no background on them, no character on them. They're tired of getting scraps. What What are these scraps? Who are these people? Why do I care? We still don't know. Now we just know that they have stupid names. And that's why it's dead on arrival. That's yep. why it's DOA. And, it, and it's going to hurt all five of them in some way. Because here's what they could have done, dude. You have these people, right? You want to you wanna give them characters? You want to just switch it up? You call a guy Dijak. You call Dio, Dio or Madden. Both names are fine. You call Mia, Mia. And you maybe come up with a new name for Mercedes Martinez since 
Sasha Banks' real name is Mercedes, and it's a car brand. You can't do that. Martinez is very common as, as a last name. Um, and then Thorn, you call Thorn, which is a totally fine name, right? So you just call them singular names. They're still themselves. And they cut promos about how they were overlooked in NXT, or even if they got opportunities, they were never seriously getting pushed. You break a little fourth wall, you attract some of the you know, smart fans, and you go in that direction. But instead, you're right, man. They're just giving them all secondary characters and asking you, the WWE fan, who, you know, more likely than not has at least seen or understands what NXT is, and saw Mercedes Martinez two weeks ago on television and saw Dijakovic a month ago on television and trying to say, hey, forget those people existed on the same television network that you're currently watching. These are Mace, T-Bar, and uh, what's the Slapjack? I almost, I, I legitimately almost called them Flapjack, not joking. Um, this is why it's DOA. And this is why it is going to long-term, in my opinion, seriously hurt a lot of these wrestlers. Mercedes Martinez will get over it. Mia Yim will probably get over it. The others, Shane Thorne, dead. Dio Madden, probably dead because, man, they needed something for him in the first place and, and you know, they tried a bunch of stuff and it didn't work. Dijak, maybe he can survive, right? Because he's so insanely uber talented. But uh, I'm so depressed talking about it because everything was a failure. Every single thing they did, okay, they didn't have entrance music when they came to the ring for their match. That was good. But every single thing that they did, the conceptualization of the storyline and the characters, which are the two most important things when debuting a group or a faction or a wrestler, both terrible. And they are not going to survive it. You know, I did, their look with the masks... I kept thinking about them and comparing them to the Dark Order in, in AEW. And I feel like I, I have not been a fan of the Dark Order. There are bits I like. I don't watch BT. I, I'm not caught up on BT. But there have been moments I've liked Dark Order, but they look weird. I saw the look that Retribution had. And I thought, this is what the Dark Order should look like yeah. in AEW. Yeah. And and. And I, like, I feel like between those two groups, there's like certain characteristics you could trade, switch out, and it might work a little bit better. Uh, but the, the the biggest thing was, and I had again, and I had said this for weeks, that when they make their reveal, we have to know who they are and why they're doing this. And all we got was masks and pretty much the same promo we've been getting before. Nothing's changed and it doesn't appear that they're going to give us that. It doesn't appear that there was any background set planned for for who these people are. And it's going to kill them at the beginning of this to try to get anything going. It's probably dead on arrival and some of the individuals will take some time to have to get over this. And, and it's probably going to be a while before they pull the plug on this. They, they have invested a lot of key time in these people and to, to open Raw, to close Raw, to open Raw, to close Raw on a go-home that they're not even going to be on. I mean, maybe they show up on the pay-per-view. But but they have been giving these guys prime real estate, and so I don't think they're going to... You know, we say they're dead on arrival, but I don't think they're going anywhere. 
legitimately the best thing WWE could do, no joke, would be to end it right now. Because at the end of that show, and uh, real quick, okay, Retribution versus Hurt Business, uh, they didn't have entrance music. That was the only good thing. Uh, forgettable match. I'm just reading my notes here. Like, I don't even care to like try to even make them sound good. Uh, the, so they had the fake crowd cheering the Hurt Business, which are established heels. So that makes no sense. The match ends via DQ for basically no reason. I don't even know why it ended. That was, oh, that was such a dumb DQ because just, a guy on the outside of the ring like bopped a guy in the head. Yeah, so he hits him and like now it's a DQ. And then all of a sudden, the rest of Retribution's ready to attack. That was, by the way, the third disqualification of the night. Um, yep. They couldn't have one of these guys pin Shelton Benjamin. Like, just get them over. Like, mm-hmm. let one of let them hit that double choke slam, sit down, power slam. I don't even know. Double choke slam, sit down choke slam. That's what it was. A double sit down choke slam on Shelton Benjamin and let them pin him right there. And then do everything else you were going to do. Like, at least get them over. They don't do that. 20 more retribution members invade. Then McIntyre, the WWE champion, leads out the entire roster. And when I say entire roster, it was like eight dudes. Well, it included some, it was Andrade and Garza. Garza, But it was like eight or 10 people, okay? And there was like 20 people in Retribution. They took them all out, all of them. So a 50% um, amount, I guess, of WWE superstars quelled the uprising. And we'll talk about the RKO, you know, uh, McIntyre eats an RKO, that ends the show. So the main WWE guys have now taken out this badass faction that can't be stopped in 15 seconds. And I'm supposed to care about them going forward? Like, are, dude, I, I'm telling you, I, I, I pray, I pray this does not happen. I have a insane feeling they are going to have Retribution attack Drew McIntyre and throw him into the ambulance. And that is how the WWE Championship match is going to end at Clash of Champions. That is a great, I mean, not great as in I don't like it, but I think that's a good call. I think that's a really good call. And that is how Drew McIntyre is going to lose his title. Not because Randy Orton, not because of Keith Lee, but, and and by the way, the ambulance match gives them an out as it is without McIntyre getting pinned. So eat an RKO, punt kick, gets thrown in the ambulance, you're good to go. Maybe he gets punted while he's on a stretcher. Roll him right in, right? There's a million ways they could finish that with Drew McIntyre still looking strong. They're going to have Retribution beat him down. They're going to have WWE Raw faces against Retribution at Survivor Series. And I'm going to throw my computer against the wall. It's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. They should, they should kill the group now because the harm has been extinguished, right? They brought these people in. It was bad. The faces came out, beat them down. Issue over. That's it. It's over. Uh, have her business say, hey, yeah, we, it was us. Have Drew say, no, it was me. Blah, blah. Then you go back and forth. Doesn't matter. They're gone. Bring these yeah. people, put half of them back in NXT. The other, the other couple, wait a few months, three, four months, put one of them on SmackDown, put two of them on Raw. Maybe Mercedes and uh, Mia Yim could be a tag team. You wipe your hands of it. That's how you do it. If I, if I was running W, people always <laughs> ask me, okay, they send me DMs. How would you book this? And I don't do that every single time on the show because, you know, we, we have to go through the entire program. And I can't even believe we're spending this much time on retribution. But if you want to ask me what I would do, if I was in charge of creative in WWE, first of all, I never would have come up with this idea. But if I did, I would look at what happened. I would look at the reaction to it. And I would say, this is now over. I, I will I will give them one 
no final chance here. If uh, hopefully they knew through the, the ambulance thing you just said, but if on Monday they tell us who they are, if, get rid of these names, give us these people, tell us who they are, give them characters and a reason to exist, or 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 that's it. I mean, I I I think scrapping them is not a bad idea, but I don't think it's going to happen. I really think this oh, is going to be dragged out. No, there's no way they get scrapped. I'm just saying that's so. What I'm, I'm saying so. I'm saying like you gotta you gotta tell us who these people are and why we care. I mean, that's what we got with some of the people in the Dark Order and Brody Lee right off the bat. Like this makes it makes no sense. Every like you there there are so many like things you need to like check off the list for these people to, for for this group to like make sure it makes sense and they can't get the WWE-ness out of them. They can't have them not saying superstars. They can't have them signing a contract and just throwing it away to open a show and apparently we're done with that. And like these little things because they're trying to throw themes at us instead of actual characters and stories. And it's... They could have even done something where they tried to invade SmackDown and... We never got an explanation as to why they're Raw exclusive. Oh, because the secu- because Adam Pearce was somehow able to hire better security on Fridays than Mondays. Yeah, that, for, the same or, for the same arena. I, but, I don't know. But they could have done something where they then tried to invade SmackDown. And, and like I said, you have Adam yeah. Pearce. Guys, what's it going to take? We got to stop this. We want contracts. We want to be able to fight whoever we want, whenever we want. And then you don't even make it about the money, right? You yeah. say we need the legitimacy of being signed so we can beat the shit out of people. There's a million ways they could have done it. And every step, it's like you're always facing the fork in the road, right and wrong. And mm-hmm. they continuously going down the wrong path. Mm-hmm. Every decision they made has made it compounded worse than the one before it. And there's just no saving it. That they, they can they can make it not terrible going forward. They can't yes. make it good or great. Probably, yeah. No, I, I agree with that. And it's every time they come up to it's like they spent so much time on what they're going to look like and what they're going to, what their names are going to be in writing that promo instead of the, the basic fundamentals of a character and a person and a group and do things make sense. And it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And by the way, like we didn't even talk about their look. I mean, I know you mentioned it. I actually didn't mind it at all. I didn't either. I thought like it was I said, I mean, I like, I, I, I it didn't make sense unless we're going to find out who they are, but it appears we're not going to. That's, right. that's why I said, that's why I said, I think it would be a great look for someone like the dark order because they're not really supposed to be characters. They're, 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 they're henchmen or whatever. These guys look like a bunch of henchmen and that it doesn't fit for what retribution is supposed to be. Yeah. I mean, if they had a leader, if they, if Adam Pierce is revealed to be the leader or triple H or Shane, right. And they're pulling the strings and they're the ones who signed them to contracts. Okay. Now you at least it all starts to fit together a little bit, but there is no indication they're going to do anything like that. So with that said, we have to end it and we have to market zero. Market zero. Now, uh, coming out of this, before we get into everything else that we have to talk about, I just wanted to ask you, man, what explanation can there be to Raw being so bad and SmackDown legitimately being good over the last couple of months? We've talked about this before. We talked about it a little bit last week, I think. It was so opposite, right? The entire build to WrestleMania and then early on in the pandemic as well, where we were saying, man, Raw is finding these little things to make us interested and keep us attracted to the show. 
Um, look, yeah, Paul Heyman did get fired from his executive director role in June, but I cannot attribute Raw's former success and now total lack of success to Paul Heyman. I have to believe there's other forces at play here, and I'm wondering if it's not so much Paul Heyman, but the fact that WWE apparently in their release explained that they were combining creative and now you have the same group of people doing both shows, but SmackDown is the clear priority now. So therefore, it's getting the brain power and the attention. And Raw is just, oh yeah, we have to do that also. That is the only thing that can come to mind about why Raw is the way it is right now. Because as great as Paul Heyman is, it's not like those shows were incredible, but they were watchable, right? And they were... Mm-hmm. We got excited to talk about the Hurt Business and Aleister Black and Rollins as the Messiah. And there were factions that were building. And yeah, granted, there's technically two factions now. So, <laughs> I mean, I wish I could praise it. Hurt Business is great. Retribution sucks. But I don't, I don't get it, man. It's been such a drastic change over the last two months. I, I, I cannot explain it. Yeah, it really has. I, I think... There's, I think one possibility is what you said. SmackDown is the A show. Their ratings matter more to WWE right now. It's on network television. It's the new, it's still the relatively new deal. You know, USA is always going to be there. That matters more. I, I, I would believe if you told me SmackDown is getting a lot more attention from the creative. But it's also, it's just the way it's being, I, I think two hours helps as well. It never feels like a drag. It's a lot easier to just get in and out of a SmackDown. You don't need to have segments that feel like they're just filling space. How many times in a row do we need to see a, a, a Seth and somebody Mysterio match or, or a or an Apollo Crews, Bobby Lashley type of thing? And SmackDown just has... It, it's fresher because it has people coming in and out. You have Roman Reigns, who's new. You have Bray Wyatt, who doesn't show up every time. You have Sami Zayn back. Uh, there, there's, it, there's more people coming in and out. It just feels like, and and it just feels a little bit fresh as opposed to getting the same thing for three plus months now on Raw. And uh, so when I look at why SmackDown is such an easier watch, why the ratings have improved, I don't know about the last couple of weeks, but SmackDown ratings were on the up. I, I think it's just it's better executed, and it just feels fresher. I would not be surprised if the third hour of Raw this week was an all-time low, like 1.4 million. And if that's the case, they, I mean, look, it's Monday Night Football. It's not going to get better next week with Chiefs-Ravens. They are going to get crushed next week. And that's, I actually think that's fine because it's probably the biggest NFL game you could possibly have on a premier night in time, right? So Chiefs-Ravens, I'll be watching that. I probably will tape Raw. Um, actually, no, I can't because we have to do the damn show, but, um, I forgot about that. Uh, I'll probably watch them simultaneously, but I think I will give Monday Night Football the big TV and my projector to Raw, which is usually the opposite. But I, there's only one person left to ask. Ask Fitz. <laughs> great idea. No, this has not been a great idea and we're not going to get the chance to ask Vince. So with that, I think we move on here. Um, look, we do have this ultimate preview coming up. I know we spent a lot of time on that opening, but there are a lot of other things to talk about that we should get to. We'll try to roll through them as quick as we can. We had Seth Rollins relitigating the custody of Dominic Mysterio, the paternity, I should say, of Dominic Mysterio. 
Uh, this wasn't great, but it also wasn't bad. I bet it sounded better conceptually than the way they executed it. But the point of this entire thing, and I think a lot of people on social media and people that messaged me got this wrong and didn't really understand. It was to paint Rollins as basically patronizing and an ass and someone who is a wedge driver. And it totally worked in that regard. The idea that either of them wouldn't be Rey Mysterio's kid is nonsensical. And Rollins knew that just as much as anything. He was playing off the old storyline with, with Eddie Guerrero, not repeating it. I think people totally misunderstood that. The key is that Mysterio continues to dig his own holes in this feud. He did it with the I versus I match, and he continues doing it. And Rollins is the one that's getting the best of him. It keeps costing Mysterio. So the way Ray spoke to Aaliyah and her reaction, those were interesting. I saw people criticizing her for not doing a good job on the mic. She's 19, not a wrestler or an actor. She also, I, also, I disagree. I thought she was fine. She's I thought it was. I, I think she's better than Dominic. I, I didn't. I thought maybe um, on the stage she was nervous. Backstage she was fine. So yeah. whatever. But she did a pretty decent job for a non wrestler or an actor. It wouldn't be as good as Dominic turning on Ray, which you guys know I booked the hell out of that a couple months ago. But I do wonder where they're going with this. I thought it was a totally good angle. Uh, I'm 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 racking my brain. I think it was the best thing on the entire show. And I had no issue with it. Zero issue whatsoever. I thought this was good. And people were crapping all over it. I think just because they were in the mentality that this raw was irredeemable. But this was redeemable. This was good. I mean, like in a vacuum, maybe it was it probably was the best thing on the show, but I'm just, I'm so done with this Mysterio Seth Rollins feud. Like it was months ago that Rollins took out his eye. Now we're like, <laughs> now know. we're down to, now we're down to a wedge between families. Like why, are, why is Seth still doing this? Why, why have they not moved on to something else in Cape babe? Like why is Seth still doing this? Does he have nothing better to do? I'm just, I'll tell you why. Tell me why. Hell in a cell next month. That's why. It's just like, man, I, I'm, 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 I'm checked out of this feud. It's been like four months. I feel I like it's just, it's so much. And, you know, yeah, I got what they were going for. You explained it well. And it, it is what it is, but it's just like, I'm, I'm so tired of this. Like, this is exactly what I was just talking about with SmackDown. Like I, this feels like a King Corbin feud on steroids. Like it is, it's just, we're, we're, it, you did it like, okay, can we do something else now? I think the issue is that there was nothing from an interim feud perspective for either side. So Ray and Dominic for a couple of weeks didn't get a chance to go after the tag team titles. And Rollins and Murphy for a couple of weeks didn't get a chance to maybe, when Apollo Crews was US champion, have Murphy go after that title. There was never anything to break up the storyline. And sometimes you need that. You can do a repetitive storyline over a number of months, but you need breaks in between, right? And and this has just been constant. I mean, Roll, this was the first feud for Rollins out of WrestleMania. Am I correct about that? I think so. He that, lost, that sounds he lost right. to Kevin Owens. And then I believe he started feuding with Rey Mysterio. So you're talking... Yeah, be, yeah because it, it, it came out and... and yeah, no, it was it started after Money in the Bank. Because, oh, okay. uh, uh, be, be because it was the night after, and and Becky announced she was pregnant, and Seth was acting weird, and then he, yes, and he, then he 
flipped. I'm not sure what he did between. I don't know if he did anything between SummerSlam and or between WrestleMania and Money in the Bank. So this is about four months of a feud, and and a four month storyline is not bad, but a four month feud is rough, and it's going to go five because look, it is going to end. I'm telling you now. I, I'm maybe maybe I'm just trying to put this into the universe, okay? But it's going to end at Hell in a Cell, and it's going to end with Rey Mysterio winning. I don't believe you. I do. I, I believe that. And I think that's never going to end. And I think that when Rey Mysterio beats Rollins, I actually think he's going to be off TV because of Becky. I don't know when I can't do the math, but that's that'll be five months out of nine. He gets to spend three months at home with her, have a kid um, and then come back, you know, a little bit after that. So maybe maybe not. Maybe my timeline's a little messed up. But my point is, nevertheless, that Rollins will lose that match and that will be the match. That will be one of the Hell in a Cell matches. And if that ends it, then that's fine. But we have another month to get there. The only thing that's somewhat redeemable here um, about the storyline, the long-termness of it, is there's no match on the pay-per-view. So they've at least created a a pay-per-view where we don't have to have another incarnation of Dominic versus Rollins or whatever, but they've given those matches away on television. They already had a steel cage match, right? Like last week, and it was good. It was great, actually. So, you know, that's fine. This needs to end. They've. I'm giving them... I don't know when Hell in a Cell is. I think it's five weeks away, let's say. They have five weeks. That's it. Anything beyond that, I can't I can't excuse, but I will excuse five more weeks. And on Monday, I didn't hate this. I really didn't. I thought it was, you know, it wasn't a 10 out of 10, but it was a six and a half, seven. It was a seven. It was, the the segment just, it got, it was weird because you thought they're going to do the, the Dominic stuff and then it turns out he's doing the other thing and then it turns out it was a ploy all along. It kind of dragged a little bit, pretty much like every Seth promo does. Uh, but it was it was fine. I'm just I'm so mentally checked out of this feud now. Yeah, I hear you. All right, let's move on. Sasha Banks got the opportunity to speak live on SmackDown, and I thought first of all, good on them to play up the injuries and not have her walk to the ring or actually appear in the Thunderdome after she just got the absolute shit kicked out of her by Bailey. So that was positive, and it was a good move to do it from the Performance Center, given their past as trainees and their recent history as well, with them winning all their titles basically in the PC while television was being taped there. The crowd noise here during this was distracting and unnecessary, especially since she wasn't in the arena, so it just didn't need to be there. But I have to say, Sasha absolutely crushed this promo, showed genuine emotion, two things that are not necessarily her strong suit in a promo sense. Um, I wish that she had leaned in a little bit more to the idea that she was believing their friendship was real, even though she was cautious the entire time. But she didn't necessarily do that. But she did commit to Bailey being nothing without her. That definitely worked. And she didn't really deny anything that Bailey accused her of last week, which was good too. Otherwise, it would have been insincere. The attack from behind with Bailey not really relenting, hitting her with the chair, that worked for me also, but it would have been much better for her to get in a couple shots, crush her neck in the chair again, anything to keep this feud going longer and push them further down the line. Instead, they had three randos just show up, separate her, and she was okay with that. So this was a win, though. I mean, smack. this is SmackDown now, so obviously, just by nature of that, it seems things get better. But this was good. I thought this was an A. Sasha did an absolutely great job. And the storyline feud between them feels 
Not that it was down a week ago because of Bailey, but I didn't think Bailey did it any favors two weeks ago. This rejuvenated it back to the top level feud that it had been for me. I, I thought it was a B plus. I thought she delivered everything well, explained it all well. Like you said, you laid that all out very well. My only issue was doing it in the performance center kind of gave the game away from the beginning. Like, oh, okay, Bailey's going to attack her because she's in the performance center. It's like, well, if she's in such bad shape, you know, why can't they just do it from her home? Like, you know, via satellite or something like that, or, or maybe Bailey attack her there. And it's a surprise that she attacked her. But once you saw her in the performance center, you're like, all right, well, I know where this is going. And you were just kind of waiting for it to get to that point. Um, that's not on Sasha. That's just on planning. Even if they had put her in the performance center and you just make a fake background so it looks like she's home or whatever, I don't know. But it, it was just um, right from the beginning, you knew where it was going to go, which is maybe being a little bit nitpicky. But other than that, I thought it was it was well executed. Well, I thought they could have, I mean, they could have enhanced it a little bit. Like her husband, Makazi, he's like the, one of the wardrobe designers, right, for WWE, have break a little kayfabe. Have him, you know, wheel her in in a wheelchair, set her up yeah. in front of the camera before the commercial break, then do this. The idea sure. that her husband brought her there, um, you know, it, it would help a lot. And then you could have had the attack and all that happen. And then he'd be one of the ones to shun her away. Just that little bit extra would have really sent it over the top. But I think, honestly, I think you're nitpicking a little bit. I think this was a success. I, I do. I, I think it was a success. I just it, it it was it was hard to me to fully get into that promo because you were just waiting to get to the end when you knew it was going to happen. All right, now we also had Biggie take out his frustration in a segment I absolutely loved. They paid off the security guard angle and they got Biggie to show some much needed aggression by absolutely murdering that dude, putting him through the car windshield, and then locking him in the trunk. Biggie was on absolute fire here, man. He looked amazing. And the trash talk that he was giving the whole time, that was pretty funny. Deciding randomly to call the guy Larry since he didn't, he was trash talking him and he didn't have a name. I also like that Adam Pierce shows up and he says he actually needs Biggie to leave. So referring back to the Drew McIntyre stuff where he was telling a guy to leave and he wouldn't do it. But he's saying, Biggie, I actually need you to leave. And Biggie doesn't argue because he's a true baby face and just goes away. This was great. Um, it was good retribution, no pun intended on Seamus or, or the idea that he wants retribution on Seamus and the attack with the car and kind of doing the parallel of what Seamus did to Biggie last week was great or two weeks ago, I should say. But of course, it didn't happen to Seamus. So it does seem like we're going to get some type of street fight down the line. That's a really good main event type of segment for a SmackDown. Again, SmackDown show, a segment for me. Yep. I need to know what WWE's car windshield budget is uh, for, for these past few months. Because, man, it seems like every other every every other week or so, someone's going through a car. Uh, I'll tell you what. But, I actually had to... I got a rock kicked up into my car windshield about a year ago. And I called SafeLight. Like, it was covered by insurance, whatever. But car windshields? Not that expensive. Especially for a for a company, for a multi... You know, yeah, no. I, yeah. But, well, but what I'm, I'm saying, it's not... But I'm yeah. saying, like, you destroy a car. And, yes, yeah, sometimes they already... Right. They pull it for parts already, but you're talking like $10,000 potentially at a minimum for a used car. You know, not a minimum, I guess 3000 minimum, but you know, you're talking in the thousands. A windshield's a couple hundred bucks. Like it's really not that big of a deal. No, yeah. I, I, I'm just, just, I'm just saying car, it's funny. Like, you know, car, car is definitely their go-to uh, now that they're at Amway, but no, this is great. This is exactly, this is exactly what the Miz said Biggie needed to be a yep. handful of weeks ago on Talking Smack when he was talking about needing to be him be more serious. And I 
totally got why Biggie responded the way he did uh, at that time and everything Biggie said was right. But when push comes to shove, this is the side we need to see from Biggie for him to take that next step. And he absolutely knocked it out of the park. I, I was he I was fired up watching him. He's got that fire. He's got that heat. Um, and and uh, another guy who would really benefit from having actual fans in there at some point. But I am continue to be all aboard the Big E singles train. Another example of WWE just missing a great moment, right? What you just said. You have Big E walking off through the parking lot. You have Miz and Morrison getting in their car. Big E looks at Miz. Serious enough for you? Keeps walking. Like, yeah. those little Easter eggs. That's what would have put it over the top. All right, moving back to Raw. You had Shane McMahon on the KO show and then, you know, moving into Raw Underground. I thought it was strange in prior weeks that they didn't start promoting Raw Underground until like 9.45. So I was fine that they had this on. They kind of did a little bit of a crossover. It was a nice touch having Kevin Owens slap Dabakato recalling their fight. And then Aleister Black, like, I know some people don't like the way he's been treated, including me, but he looks pretty badass in the all black suit with that like stripe of fabric across his eye on Raw Talk. They showed him uh, a couple weeks ago removing it. He has a different colored contact lens in there. So that was pretty cool. So I thought that segment was a success. Then you move over to Raw Underground. Dolph Ziggler beats Arturo Ruas. This was a perfect example for me of what the matches should be in there. Mm -hmm. It felt like it was a round of a fight. For lack of a better term, it was brutal. There were, I think, fewer camera cuts there. It was just a step forward. Then you had Riddick Moss beat Eric. That was cool as well. It was a totally different style. Those guys, before uh, Ziggler and Ruas, they were more grappling, wrestling MMA. Moss and Eric were basically brawling, straight up just punching each other. I thought that was a success also. And then you got the main event, Braun Strowman versus Dabakato. And they really promoted this match hard. So... You got to give them credit for that. And I think they paid it off, dude, because sometimes you don't want no water. You don't want no bread. All you want is meat. He don't want no water. He don't want no bread. All he wants is meat. And I'm not sure there's ever been more proof of that than this. Strowman absolutely had to win, but Dabakato held his own and was definitely not hurt by losing again. I saw people criticizing, oh, WWE buried Dabakato. No, they didn't. They had him lose to Braun Strowman. What did you think this guy was going to do in Raw Underground? Become the next Strowman? Like, no, yeah. it wasn't going to happen. That was his purpose. Uh, I thought Raw Underground with Braun Strowman, Dabakato, I thought those guys got over. I thought Ziggler, you know, he's always he's already over. Ruas looked good. Riddick Moss and Eric both looked good. Shockingly, two weeks in a row, dude. Two thumbs up for Raw Underground. I liked it. And a big part I liked this week as well was they did not have Michael Cole doing the commentary. Uh, they got back away from that. They got back to Shane doing everything over the mic. They got the music going and everything like that. This was this week was more what we had, what Raw Underground had been than maybe last week. So I, I, I like that. I like the promotion. I was a little like eh, about bringing Davicato out to the ring to do a to do a thing beforehand, like. There's nobody in the arena. You don't need to come to the ring to do an introduction promo to do a match that's backstage. Little nitpick. You only did that because it was a show. Right, but I'm saying you could have, I don't know, you could have done that anywhere. And it, it, it kind of, to take him out of the underground aura, I, I think it would have just been better to keep okay. 
a, a backstage, some smoky room, whatever to explain Dabakato, whatever. I'm, I'm just a little nitpicky. That's fine. You, no, that's fine. You, you, you laid everything out really well about how it was, how it was good. It makes even the guys that lose like they look pretty good because these fights are 30 seconds. Both guys are getting some stuff in, and then someone gets the upper hand, and that's it. And you're back up, and you want to do a fight. Also, like the ref is most of the time, not every time, most of the time. This is a ref stoppage, so it's not like someone's getting laid out, right? And they're and they're knocked out, and they're whatever. There are some of those, but in general, this is like you know, it's like UFC and MMA. Like a, a a guy can lose and get back up, and he's okay, and you move on to the next one, and you understand what this is. It's not about knocking somebody out necessarily. It's 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 just about brawling, and yeah, very well executed. Two weeks in a row from Raw Underground. I think this, I, I, long term, I'm not sure where we go, but this is a great build up to. Braun Dabakato and then you know I have I, I'm excited to see what they decide to do next week because they've had a, a few pretty good weeks here. Me too. And and actually I'm curious too, because now you cannot have Strowman there anymore. So he after the pay-per-view should even if you keep him off SmackDown this Friday, eventually he needs to be back on SmackDown unless he becomes a raw superstar. Unless he's the trade for Mandy. No, actually that he couldn't be the trade because they both got, went to Raw. Oh, I was gonna yeah. say the trade for Mandy Rose, but no, that wouldn't make sense. In any way that wouldn't make sense. Um but you have to take them away from it now, basically, is what I'm trying to say. But I don't know where else they go with Raw Underground. It almost felt to me like that was it. And I'm not saying it was, but it felt like almost we had, they had built up this entire time to like a Raw Underground pay-per-view card where we got two undercard matches that were really solid and we got the main event that they promised us. I don't know where they go from here. I'm not saying that that is the end of Raw Underground. But if it was, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, maybe. I mean, I, I don't like there. There is certainly a purpose. It's a great spot to rehab some guys, to throw some guys like Eric when his tag team partners hurt. But you want him to kind of just get some brawling in a guy like Ziggler gets beat down a bunch on the main show. You can throw him into to raw underground. He can actually do his wrestling and look pretty good. And, you know, I I. I you know, you're not going to have a brawn avocado every week or every other week. I, I think there are ways you can set certain things up. You know, Riddick Moss is pretty good sometimes. You know, maybe maybe you try to build him up or something like that. I, I don't know. It, it doesn't have to be main event type stuff, but I do think there is a purpose to Raw Underground as a place to just keep a couple of guys looking fresh and, and, and active uh, when maybe they need a little bit of a reboot. Yeah, there's no question it's grown on me. And I will say just, you can hate this Raw, which I did. I hated this Raw and still find things in the show that were good. And I, I mentioned it with Mysterio and Rollins and I'm saying it here with Raw Underground. There's one more thing I liked, but those were good segments. And just because you want to crap on other things doesn't mean you have to crap on stuff that made sense and try to make it turn like it didn't. This made sense. Everything about that in terms of how that match was booked, match, fight, whatever you want to call it, made sense. It was exactly as it should have been. Dabakato looked really strong going up against Braun Strowman, but never in a million years should he have beaten a guy who was just the universal champion. So that was and, and, and with Dabakato, like Raw Underground's a great spot to make some guys look good without them needing to like have a work rate yet. You know, we don't need to see Dabakato do a 15 minute singles match in the ring. Maybe he's not there yet. Maybe there's a lot of guys in NXT who are former football players who are just trainer or just trainees right now. There are. And yeah, yeah. And, and you can just 
throw them out there, have them brawl for 30 seconds to a minute and they fill some space, they fill some time and it works. And you, I'm sure you have a lot of intimidating looking guys who are, you know, it, it's it's a, when I talk about SmackDown being fresh because you're seeing people you haven't seen in a while or not every week you're seeing everybody. That's what Raw Underground is. It's generally been a refreshment compared to kind of the drag of some of the other stuff. So you can throw new guys in there every week, every couple of weeks, just to, 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 to make it feel a little bit different. And you don't have to worry that maybe they don't, they can't put together a match yet. You just need them to brawl for a little bit and look good. And, 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 you know, you can pass the time for sure. Now let's move on. Cause we do have a couple more quick things before we get to the WWE clash of champions, gold rush, ultimate preview. That is a lot of words. Uh, Matt Riddle, the know your bro segment, I thought it was nice to see some of his character. I saw people up in arms that he's not being taken seriously. But since when is a relaxed dude who wears sandals and says bro and wrestles barefooted and is basically a stoner? Since when is he serious? Uh, this is his gimmick. It's been his gimmick basically his entire career. And it's perfectly good. I thought this was fine. Yeah, it was whatever. I, I'm not, I haven't super gotten into uh into riddle yet um but i don't hate it i didn't it, it was fine it's the, i've said they overdo the bro stuff but i i know that's his character and i'm sure it works for people so it is what it is what do you think about the bianca belair version of this the vignette the strongest on raw i was like why isn't she in this championship match with oscar right now where has bianca belair been why are we getting Lana and Natalia and, and Mickey James and Zelina Vega out of nowhere getting a title shot. Like I, 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 it makes me hopeful that they do have something for Bianca Belair coming. But it it was a reminder to me of like they have this amazing yeah. uh, woman available and they haven't been doing anything with her outside of reacting to her husband getting poisoned. I like the concept of the vignette. I hated the execution. I I think look yes, give her vignettes, put her over, beating a moderately sized dude in some general strength competitions isn't going to do that. Just show her jacking up weights, man, and looking super strong and sure. doing crazy feats of athleticism. That's all you need to do. And yeah. and uh, my guess is this was the strongest and next week they'll do like the finest or something, maybe just the way she dresses and is pretty. Or I, I, maybe she'll, they'll go down the line. I don't know. But I'm fine with the concept if you want to keep her away from the title picture, but put her over for a period of time doing vignettes is better than doing nothing with her, but she needs to get on television. Yes, she needs to be in the title picture and it should be Bianca Belair as the one who beats Asuka and takes the Raw Women's Championship whenever that happens. And if yes. it's not going to be Asuka and you want it to be Baszler who takes it off Asuka because you want the heel face dynamic, then you have Belair be the one to take it off Shayna. But sure. that is what I, you, that's the top of your division right now. Yeah, and I, I don't want the Bianca Belair, I don't want these vignettes to be like five weeks of this before we see her in a match like no, we, we don't two or three. Need, like like honestly you could do two or three of those an episode of raw like get through it let's get her in the ring we know what she can do like i think I, yeah I, no I you're right i think i think next week you do two of them the following week you do another one and you have a wrestle on the same show sure and then and then you're she's a wrestler again and that's it so all right uh we also uh we had otis squashing the miz the dirt sheet segment was back for me to being unfunny uh, the stuff that Miz and John Morrison do like that. I, I just didn't enjoy it. But once Otis came out, I thought business picked up. I liked how brutal it was. And Otis got in a ton of clean work against Miz. It's actually the strongest he's looked since Money in the Bank. The tidy whitey stuff did make me chuckle, but I'm not sure how this lawsuit thing is going to play out. 
I do have an idea based on a spoiler that went around. I'm not going to mention it, so I won't even say it. I'm not going to hit the alarm or anything. Good. Um, but I have an idea. I don't know that it would be great. On Monday, they again promoted Mandy Rose joining Raw. I just kind of am wondering now if she's ever going to make an appearance before the storyline because on Raw, we just saw, we're seeing vignettes for Bianca Belair, Peyton Royce and um, Billy Kay got some time you know, on the show. Zelina Vega is now a wrestler. Lana's wrestling again. Natalia's there. Mickey James is there. This is a huge women's division suddenly on Raw. They don't need Mandy Rose. So I'm not exactly sure what how that storyline is going to play out. But the stuff with Otis, he did look strong at the expense of The Miz. But I think that's okay. Yeah, I, I, I'd like to see more Otis like being sad and introspective about what's going on. Or... You know, they're running Raw and SmackDown in the same building. Does this actually affect their relationship at all or not? Like, you know, it's it's always been kind of this issue of how much of the world outside of the show is is real and kayfabe. And, you know, but considering how much of that story was about his personal relationship with her, that's pretty much been dropped now from Miz stuff. And he's sad she's gone, but we're not like really explaining it any more than that. He doesn't what he doesn't see her during his work hours. Like, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe there's no good way to explain it. But when, when it's a story, when it was a story that was based on stuff outside of wrestling, you know, they did that. They did that video in the pool or something like that. You kind of I'm just I'm looking for just that character reaction right. development. I, I want to connect a little bit more to Otis in terms of how he's feeling. But, yeah, he had a lot of fire in that when he, when he came out and beat up the Miz, like I said, strong as he looked. I could crowd would have popped huge if oh, yeah. there was a crowd there. That that yeah. was well done, uh, well set up. Uh, you know, I just, uh, that was good. It's always a little weird when like, oh no, misses in his tidy whiteies. Like that's how he, it's how he wrestles. Is it just cause he's not wearing shin pads now that he looks more naked? Well, I mean, look, tidy whitey <laughs> underwear has a look. I mean, I, 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 it does, but it's just, it's not, it's not too different from what Cesaro used to wrestle in. Uh, so it's just, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like I got it and it was funny. And there was, there was a, YouTube only bit of, of Miz getting locked out of the building. And, and um, so it, it was fine. I, 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 I'm still into this as a pretty funny feud and it was good to see some, some heat on it as well. Uh, so I, it's, 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 it's kind of a nothing feud, but it's, it, it's entertaining enough. I do think it's entertaining enough. On the other hand, we have raw where Akira Tozawa has been eaten by a shark. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a phrase that I just said on a wrestling podcast. This was awful. Uh, I don't even know what happened exactly. Honestly, I, I watched it twice. I was like, oh, I must have been taking notes and not really paying attention. Or maybe I was looking at the football game. I, I don't get it. Uh, Tozawa has been killed. Um, or he at least disappeared in the ocean and is now skinny dipping. And truth is champion. Someone get Medusa. Have her win the 24-7 championship. Have her drop it in the trash can. This thing is dead. I'm done with it. This was horrible. I, I like the idea of it. Stop. Stop. No, if they're going to do, if they're going to make it weird, you got to go all in on being weird. Stop. And they did. It, it, this was better than the parking <laughs> lot list thing. Like, just make it really weird. But you're right. It was confusing. I was confused if Tazawa got eaten by a shark because all of a sudden he's holding some gear. I didn't quite understand what was going on. I liked the idea of what they were trying to do. The execution was a little weird. Uh, it, it was confusing. 
I don't hate the idea of just being completely wacky off the walls. If you're good, if like I, I do, like I want the 24 seven title to be the raw underground title or something like that. There are so many things I'd rather do with it. But if you're going to decide to be quirky and weird with it, go all in on the weird. And and I'm okay with that. So I give this like a, a middle, like, okay, someone gets eaten by a shark. Okay. But like, you got to make them more clear. Look, I, I find stuff. I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine with people being eaten by a shark on my wrestling show. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm not against that either. I mean, I, and theoretically, it's wrestling. It's crazy. So, like, you want to do something, but it didn't make any sense. Like, I did not understand what was happening. Right. That's the problem. So just, just tell me if if they gave me a reason why they were there the week prior. Our truth. I will fight you anywhere. I'll fight you on the moon. I'll fight you on the beach. Okay, let's fight on the beach, right? Like, just give me some reason that they were there and they could, it was just dog shit, man. It was bad. It wasn't funny. I don't, I'm okay with comedy in my wrestling. This wasn't funny. So no, 0.0. It doesn't even deserve the sound drop. 0.0. Let us move on finally, thankfully to the WWE Clash of Champions Gold Rush Ultimate Preview. And I'm just realizing now, we have sound drops for the main event. We don't have sound drops for our ultimate previews. If anyone has an idea on what we can use ahead of this segment, hit us up on Twitter at Getting Overcast. I will pull the sound and I will do it ahead of future pay-per-views. Maybe it's something from someone's theme. Maybe it's just a phrase that's been used. Um, I don't know. You let me know and we will utilize it. And the way we start is the way WWE will start with the kickoff show the Raw Women's Championship, Asuka will be defending against Zelina Vega. And as we do, by the way, we will break down stuff that happened on TV proceeding into these matches, stuff we have not mentioned yet. The backstage segment, I thought with Billy Kay and Peyton Royce demanding opportunities against Asuka, I thought that was great. It actually hit for me on many levels. They fixed the iconic storyline by allowing them to be kayfabe friends again, just not tag team partners, which is always how it should have been. It's the criticism that you and I gave on this show. Both of them in that promo segment came across as legitimate challengers. They both looked great and serious, wearing all black. I was just a big fan of how that entire interview segment was done. The matches that we got later in the show, not a fan of at all. Zelina Vega beat Mickey James. It was not a good match. Good on Mickey James, putting over a younger talent. You know, that's commendable. You knew Vega was going to win the entire time after she challenged Asuka next week. I have to hope that Asuka beats her soundly. You have Asuka defeating Peyton Royce. This was, I guess, a fine short match, but it shouldn't have had a finish because it made no sense to beat Peyton here when you just turned her single and she's trying to become a legitimate threat. Zelina got one up on Asuka. Okay, I saw people complaining that this match is going to be on the kickoff show. I think that is an absurd complaint. It's a nothing match. You know Asuka's going to win. There's going to be two other women's matches on the main show. So who cares about the placement? Asuka's going to win. Um, the only, like I said, the positives actually had nothing to do with the match. It was Billy Kay and Peyton Royce. I don't know what else there is to say about this. Asuka's going to win and retain the title. If we're being honest, there's like three or four matches on this card that could should be on the kickoff show. Absolutely. So it's, 100%. It, it's, it's whatever it is. It, yeah, I mean, you pretty much laid it out. It, it, it is what it is. I like that they had Mickey James say she didn't tap out last week, so she gets this other chance. Okay, you explained away last week. That's fine. You need to do that. It, it was an, it was frustrating to see the end of that Oscar match 
considering what we got later in the show. I don't know the order of the show, but that was three inner three disqualification matches. Ridiculous. Two of them, two of them were the champion getting attacked and it ending the match. So we've talked about it before, like when they book these shows, are they aware of what other matches are doing? <laughs> right. Right. Because it was it was very evident that you did the exact same finish in the Oscar match as you did the Drew McIntyre match on Raw. So that was frustrating to watch. Oscar's gonna win. Hopefully it moves into Bianca Belair down the road. But yeah, this is you know it, it, this is only happening because you got to have a, the match because it's Clash of Champions. But it also has highlighted that they have had nothing for Oscar to do here for weeks. And they took her top two contenders and made them into a tag team because they felt like the Riot Squad weren't strong enough to beat Sasha Banks and Bailey, which is ridiculous. They should have just had the Riot Squad win those titles. This should be Shayna Baszler's match. And that's it. Shayna should have beat Nia Jax in a number one contendership two weeks ago. She should have been feuding with Asuka this entire time. And that's your match. And it's just, it's it's honestly bullshit that they did did this and that Zelina Vega has this opportunity. I I like her a lot. I'm glad she's wrestling again. I do think that she can eventually be something, but it's just ridiculous for this to be happening. So yes, Oscar retains. They move forward with this and for, kind of forget most of this ever happened. Um, we will talk about that DQ stuff when we get to the WWE Championship match. I've kind of been saving it for then. I do have a mini rant on that as well, but let's move on. SmackDown Tag Team Championship, Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura against Lucha House Party. On SmackDown, you had Cesaro beat Grand Metalik. I thought this was a good match because after the commercial break, they actually got to wrestle each other. It was a lot of crap before that. They're two of the best in the company. But what we have is a title match being made after Cesaro and Nakamura lost a non-title match last week and then lost to the Raw Tag Team Champions on Monday, seemingly for no reason, when they otherwise could have used that to merge the titles on this show, to unify the titles. So there's no way else to say it, but I'm disappointed that this is not a unification match with the Street Profits. After watching SmackDown, I could not help but wonder how they were going to figure out a contender for the Raw titles. There was just not a lot of juice. So they actually did figure out a contender for the Raw titles. We'll talk about that next. But in terms of this match, I mean, Lucha House Party, there's some infighting. I see no reason why Nakamura and and Cesaro should lose basically a third time uh, in four weeks or three weeks, they're going to retain here. I, I don't see another way around it. Yeah. Tag team loses a non-title match, wins the title match. Tale as old as time. Um, th- this needs to be the unification. May- maybe they're going to save it for Survivor Series. I don't know. But there, we talked about okay. it ad nauseum right. last week that there's just not enough tag teams going on. This isn't working. I don't. There's only basically one or two tag teams for these for these champions to feud with. I, if you're not going to do the unification, I don't know what the point of that was last week, having, right. them, have, having them face each other. So again, this is another match that could be a kickoff. My pick is Cesaro and Nakamura as well. That's the crazy thing. It's like, okay, they're using that brand to brand invitational. They explained it in kayfabe. They put effort into saying why, why they're on the show. It made sense. We're getting excited about a unification and then they just don't do it. It's <laughs> just like, yep. why? Why Why would you not do it at this point? It made all the sense in the world and no better example of them not having tag teams on Raw can be given than the number one contendership match that we got Monday night. Angel Garza and Andrade beat Seth Rollins and Murphy 
and Dominic Mysterio and Humberto Carrillo in a number one contender match. A number one contender match where Mysterio and Carrillo had never tagged before. Dominic and Carrillo had never tagged before. Rollins and Murphy clearly aren't a team. I mean, I guess, yeah, he's the disciple and they're still technically together, even though they're in a... Technically, they're still together, even though they're in an abusive relationship. Um, and Andrade and Angel Garza, it seemed, just broke up last week. So <laughs> what the hell is happening here? You had Andrade and Angel Garza win, which was really the only answer to this, unless you wanted Rollins and Murphy to be a team and be on the pay-per-view, and then maybe they could have done the storyline with Rollins walking away from Murphy on the pay-per-view. But okay, whatever. Andrade and Garza won. It was a good match, and there was... Good storytelling throughout with Rollins abandoning Murphy while Andrade and Garza figured out how to work together to win. I believe we talked about this last week, that the storyline concept for them may have been with Zelina Vega leaving, they had no choice but to learn to work together and they start working together successfully and become a good tag team. Andrade sought Garza's tag after hitting the spinning back elbow. They won with the wing clipper. That was total teamwork in that moment. This makes me think that I was right when I guessed that last week. That is the actual storyline. These guys are going to gel together because they don't have Zelina Vega to support them. And I actually think we're going to see a title change here. Maybe I'm just getting swerved, but I think Andrade and Angel Garza are going to be the new Raw Tag Team Champions. That's the way they kind of tried to hype it up after the win was say, hey, maybe they're better without Zelina and Zelina and maybe they've got something going. I... I mean, I certainly think it's possible, given what has happened in this division and what hasn't happened in this division, I certainly would not put it past them to make a title change here. But this is another example of something that I'm just so tired of is is Angel, uh, Garza and Andrade against the Street Profits. Again, again, as we've seen for months, and I'm, I'm just I'm ready for it to end. I, I, I'm going to pick the Street Profits, but I, I not with a lot of confidence because they appear to be changing their minds on what they wanted to do with Andrade and Garza. Street Profits against Andrade and Angel Garza. Again, United States Championship. Bobby Lashley versus Apollo Crews. Again, really, Apollo Crews versus the Hurt Business. Again, we had Apollo Crews beat Cedric Alexander in a singles match on the show. I thought the promo before the match was the best that Alexander has cut on the main roster, period, to date, full stop. Strong, believable stuff. He is really getting over for me in this heel role. I'm starting to believe in his character and it feels like they're doing something with him, which is a massive positive. In the match, I like the frog splash crossbody that Apollo Crews did. That was cool. They absolutely had to have Crews win after he did that weird, hey, don't Bobby Lashley, I didn't forget about you, indicating they're going to have a US title match. So they couldn't have had him lose. And because of that, and because of the fact that they're still trying to build Alexander or keep him strong, I was okay with Ricochet causing the distraction and Alexander getting rolled up. But they gave us no indication that this rematch was going to happen before this segment, even though we both kind of guessed this is the direction that they were going to go in. So it fell majorly flat for me, Chris. And I'll let you kind of get the prediction in first here. But this is a throwaway match. This is a kickoff show match for me. Yep. And in th this is when I remembered, oh, Apollo Crews and Bobby Lashley is apparently happening at Clash of Champions because I was just like, why am I seeing Apollo Crews and the Hurt Business going at each other again, as we've seen for months? 
yeah, Cruz had to win to get the momentum going into the pay-per-view. Um, I, I'm picking Bobby Lashley and once again, hoping that this is the end of a feud. Absolutely. Uh, Bobby Lashley has to win. I, I, I don't see any way that you could have Apollo Cruz win the title back here. It just wouldn't make a shred of sense. Women's Tag Team Championship, Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax defending against the Riot Squad. So on Monday, you had Baszler and Jax beat Natalia and Lana in a match that literally accomplished nothing. Uh, the Riot Squad didn't get enough time on commentary to get themselves over. Natalia and Lana weren't going to help get Baszler and Jax over. Okay, did I laugh my ass off when Lana got Simone dropped through the table for a second time? Yes. Nia Jax on Lana violence works for me. You're going to get a pop from me on it. I don't know why it works for me. So that was really funny. Uh, Riot Squad seemed to injure Jax or at least surprise her with how they were able to avoid her size and strength. So this match does, I am interested in this match. They have not done enough making me think Baszler and Jax truly hate each other to believe that that will factor in and they will lose the match. It's difficult because you don't really have a lot of established women's tag teams now. Riot Squad are one of them. As I said, they should have beaten the Golden Role Models for the titles. And even if a month or two later you wanted Baszler and Jax, you wanted to team them and have them beat the Riot Squad, that would have been okay. But if they lose this match, which I think they're going to, I think Baszler and Jax are going to retain. If the Riot Squad lose this, who's the next challenger? I, I don't know that there is a next challenger. And that's my problem. So Baszler and Jax retain the titles. So I, I, I think... They want they want to get the titles to the Riot Squad, I think, and I don't know if them losing and then coming back to win later is going to help. Um, so I'm going to say the Riot Squad win here. Hmm. They, maybe they have a rematch on Raw the next day and the Riot Squad win again to try to cement it and to try to give them something. I don't know where it goes from there, but we're making the same picks on every match here and I want to do something different. So that's my pick. No, I, ho- I hope you're right. Like, I'm I'm maybe almost being pessimistic with my pick. I think the right booking, let me just clarify, is for the Riot Squad to win. Like you said, you have Baszler and Jax go at it again. They fail. They, then that leads to them splitting up. Now you have that women's feud, right? And you're good to go. But yeah. if that happens, the Riot Squad have no one else to challenge at this point. Right. Because they broke that, up all the other women's tag teams. Right. That's why I could see, that's why I could see them losing. That's why I could, I could see... It playing out like you said. Yeah, it's crazy. Just for the just for the sake of stretching things out because they need something to do with these people. And by the way, when I was counting, remember I remember at the beginning of the show I said there's nine matches on the Clash of Champions card, and four of them have actually been built well. That's actually one of the four that I was counting in there. So just so you guys know, the other one of the four, the second of the four, is the Intercontinental Championship match. Jeff Hardy defending technically against AJ Styles and Sami Zayn, who claims he's still the champion, in a triple threat ladder match, I'm guessing, with both titles being held up in the air. And dude, I'm going to do the Barry Horowitz on this one, because I called this. This is very Razor Ramon, Shawn Michaels. I love that they're bringing the storyline concept back, where you have one champion who basically refuses to admit that he had to relinquish the title. The other one is the champion. And the best way that you can make that decision is in a ladder match. A uh, couple things before we get into it. AJ Styles beat Sami Zayn on SmackDown. A couple things on Sami. Number one, it's really cool that he now uses Raw is War font on his Titantron. I thought that looked awesome. <laughs> really cool thing. And by the way, I should mention also the Street Profits entrance with that awesome cam shot. 
um, of them. That was really damn cool this week as well. But anyway, yeah, they did they did that a few times, and at first I thought it was a like a video game because it, like it yes. just didn't look real. But then you show the camera out and you see, no, that is the real situation. So I don't know if it was a different kind of lens or I think it was a drone. Right. But I, not, not, not necessarily the way that the camera moved, but just the, the, the sharpness of the image yeah. felt different. And, and I didn't hate it. It was different. It was fine. It was sharp. The lights were cool. It just, they, they looked like stars. They look like yeah. almost, that's like an entrance they would do for the rock. And, and yeah. it, it really made them feel like a big deal. So that was really good. But I think they did it for Drew too later. Um, maybe they may have used the same thing. They, they definitely added more pyro for Drew though. That I can tell you anyway. Um, but Sami Zayn, the Titan Tron was cool with the Raw's war. His new ring gear with those pants tucked into his boots. It makes it look like he's going fly fishing. And I couldn't get over it. Like the entire time I'm looking at him I'm like this guy looks like he's a fisherman. <laughs> Just the whole time. But anyway, okay. This was a fun match. Very rare heel versus heel match that went longer than I expected. And the takeaway it is really good to see Sami Zayn back to being himself. He was hitting the blue thunderbomb and all of his moves, even when he was wrestling around WrestleMania time, when he eventually won the IC title. Even when he was doing that, you could tell he was limited. The other guys, Cesaro and Nakamura, most of the time were doing the work. and He would just kind of come in at the end. This was Sami Zayn back as Sami Zayn. And it was great to see him. It was a really good finish with Sami getting rolled up and Jeff Hardy coming out and beating both guys down and then challenging them to the exact match that I expected. I'll let you get in your prediction first. But again, when you're talking about the matches that actually had builds for this show, credit to this, it has been done well. Some weeks are better than others, but I am excited. We're getting a triple threat ladder match with three really damn good wrestlers, and I am pumped for it. Yeah, this is basic wrestling storytelling, and, and it works. It, it, it made, everything makes perfect sense. Everybody has the right motivations. And you're and it's three really good wrestlers you're excited to see. It's basic stuff. And, and I, I'm really excited for this match. Um, my pick, this is tough. This is what I could I could see all three winning it. There's not a situation where I can't see somebody in this winning it. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Sami Zayn because I think heel champion and, and maybe him and Jeff Hardy feud and AJ moves on to something else could could be something that comes up next. But I think. Uh, Sammy's been killing it since he's been coming back. He's great on the mic. Um, I'm going to go with Sammy Zayn wins. Damn, I thought I was going to be contrarian with the same ah. I really did because, you know, it's a ladder match, right? So Jeff Hardy should win, right? Like that's the thought process. And there are more heel challengers. So I think Jeff Hardy wins. You have Styles who can challenge him. You can have Sammy Zayn who thinks he deserves a one-on-one -on -one match. And then there's others on the show who may want opportunities as well. But the booking, the thing that is funniest and is best and is the most entertaining, which this is what it's about, is Sami Zayn winning. Because mm -hmm. he would be the most entertaining, laughing that he was able to take those guys out. I think you have Sami Zayn win. I'm not a huge fan of quick title changes, but I think you have Sami Zayn win this. Yeah, well, it's not a change. Well, no, no, no. Well, it is. In, in, <laughs> in the record book, it is. But Matt? you have Sami Zayn win, and then I do think you have Jeff Hardy you know, because he doesn't doesn't get pinned here. You have him be the next challenger, and maybe you have Jeff win the title back at Hell in a Cell. Maybe you do a another type of stipulation match between the two, or maybe just a one on one match, or maybe it's a scenario where the IC title goes back to being a SmackDown title, and that is your go home show for Hell in a Cell. Sami Zayn versus Jeff Hardy, and Hardy wins. So I would be totally okay with that. But yeah, I think my pick is actually Sami Zayn. 
Here, here's how I would book the finish. Jeff Hardy climbs the ladder. He can grab the belt. Choose is instead to do some high-flying move uh, on AJ Styles. Yeah, Swanton's AJ Styles. Sammy walks up, wins the title easy, gloats about it for a while. Then we get made. Then maybe we get a triple threat, Hell in a Cell, uh, or, or some other type. Maybe it's Hell in a Cell match. Maybe it's something else. You do another match at um, uh, the next pay per view, and, and and then move on from there. Could be something like that. But that, I think that'd be with with the character Sammy is something like this is where like a chicken shit chicken crap heel yeah uh should win in that way and i'm not usually i'm not usually a fan of WWE doing those they overdo it but sammy's the perfect guy to do it and and in this case he has the momentum having just returned like it really makes a lot of sense for him to win the other thing also is if you do have him lose maybe he can get back with cesaro and nakamura in their good graces again that would still work you could do that but he was in the manager role mostly it seems because a they don't think nakamura and cesaro can cut good promos which Technically, they they can't, but they're both fine, and they've done a very good job, above average job, in my opinion, since they have not had Sammy. So I thought I thought they've been fine. Um, but you could put him back with them theoretically. The thing I don't know what happens is if AJ Styles doesn't win, which I don't think he will, he's third if I was ranking them in likelihood. I don't know what he does next because he's already kind of had the feud with Riddle. I guess maybe you could have Biggie get over on Sheamus and then feud with AJ Styles afterward. But it just kind of feels like with Roman being a heel champion and a massive lack of faces on SmackDown, I don't know who comes up next as Roman's challenger. And I think that is part of the reason why Hardy losing this could make sense because you could have Hardy lose, maybe move into a main events type of situation and then have Big E and Matt Riddle and all these other guys be challengers for the Intercontinental title because right now they have a lot of mid-card faces they don't have a lot of main event faces on SmackDown. So that is where I'm going with that. Staying with that brand, the SmackDown Women's Championship, Bailey defending against Nikki Cross, talking about what happened Friday. Nikki Cross beat Lacey Evans. This started with a moment of bliss. Cross cut a decent promo on Bailey, but then Lacey Evans interrupts as Alexa Bliss is about to make it interesting and talk about The Fiend and get into all of that, it seemed. I really dislike Lacey Evans' gimmick. It's about... 35 years too late, but she is better as a heel than she is as a face. This match between the two of them also largely sucked. Evans put hand sanitizer in Nikki Cross's eyes right in front of the referee, but didn't get disqualified. The only redeeming moment from the entire thing was Bliss again going catatonic when The Fiend was mentioned by Evans and hitting her with Sister Abigail. That works. I love what they're doing with Alexa Bliss. I hate what they're doing with Lacey Evans. Neither of them are in this match, which is Bailey versus Nikki Cross. It's a third time, I think, that Nikki Cross is getting a title opportunity against Bailey. And I have to believe it's a third loss because unless they have Sasha come out, and if they do and they do a distraction finish, and that's how Bailey loses the title, man, I'm going to be pissed just as much as I would be if they do what I expect or what I thought might happen with Drew McIntyre. Uh, Bailey has to win. And Nikki Cross will now have lost three times. I, I don't know. What, I don't know how they book it, but I'm not excited about it. I mean, they have really set it up for you should be expecting a distraction and Sasha cost uh, Sasha cost. It would be terrible. Character. Like it, it, it's 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 written like it's set up right there. Like this is what they would always do in this situation. I'm really hoping they don't. Um, 
maybe Nikki Cross and Bailey fight to some sort of draw and you can do it again in a, in a week or a month or something like that. Um, but most likely, yeah, I'm, I'm picking Bailey to win. Now we do have a DM slide from Jeremy Smith at the Jeremy Smith show. He says Lacey Evans gets go away. He, the character is useless. Best to move forward by having her drop the Southern stuff, take her off TV for a month, put her in military camo and bring her back with Blake and Cutler as the mouthpiece for the forgotten sons, maybe make them the forgotten ones. I sent this, I put this DM in the show, not just because it agrees with me that Lacey Evans is go away heat and the character is bad. That's a damn good piece of booking. Okay. You can't bring the forgotten sons back because of Jackson Riker. The, the stuff he tweeted, he just recently doubled down with another dumbass tweet about a week ago or within the last week. You have these guys, Blake and Cutler. Yeah, they kind of do deserve a TV opportunity. They are pretty good. The gimmick isn't great, the Forgotten Sons, but it's not horrible at the same time. The idea of Lacey Evans being added to that group as their manager and as a women, woman's wrestler totally works. You change the name to Forgotten Ones, that's a good piece of booking. You have her play into the military stuff and the fact that she gets overlooked and no one's taking her seriously, so she's going back to people who do take her seriously. That works. It's a good DM. Jeremy Smith. You deserve a pr- the, the praise here. That's why I read it. Chris, what do you think about that booking? I, I don't hate it. I think it's a good idea. I, I, I'm My only thing is I don't know if the Forgotten Sons, Forgotten Ones is a good gimmick anyway. And I think Lacey maybe has a, a higher ceiling than them. And I think I think Lacey gets decent. Heat. I think it's Baron Corbin heat, but I it, it's. It's the kind of heat that is hard to get today. No, I dis- I disagree. I think she gets go away heat. Baron Corbin gets heel heat. I, people well, hate uh, people hate Baron Corbin. People don't like having Lacey on. Their people screen. hate people hate Baron Corbin feuds though, and that's not his fault. But it, it, when, when Baron Corbin pops up on your screen, you kind of sigh and you know it's going to be a weird thing. And that's not on him. I think he's a good worker. I just it's, but that's kind of not to get into a whole thing. But that's kind of. I liked Corbin and Lacey Evans together when they did the Becky Seth deal. Um, doesn't seem like it was the best thing. It was the best thing both of them did at the time. Yeah, I. I, I but you know, if, if you're looking for something to do with the Forgotten Sons, I think that's a very solid idea that that we just got in that DM there. I, I I definitely do not hate that idea, and I think it could be interesting. I just think in the interim, it saves her and it saves them. And at some point, you break them up. You have them change their gimmick. You have her change her gimmick, but it does something to get all these people on television and give them a reason to be together. And it makes way more sense than everything that they're doing with her and they're not on TV. So it gets them back on television. I I just think it's a win. Um, All right, let's move on to the double main event. Uh, Drew Mack, I think we did a very good job, by the way, moving through the rest of this card, right? Pretty quickly. There's not not a lot to talk about in a lot of it. I know, but these, we do have some stuff to talk about. Drew McIntyre defending the WWE Championship against Randy Orton, in an ambulance match. The way we start is with the match that we saw on Raw, which technically, I guess, is Keith Lee defeating Drew McIntyre by disqualification. Right off the bat, I did not think I would ever see Drew McIntyre do a Herkarana. So credit <laughs> to where he's due. That was pretty awesome. The rest of this, though, was a big time hoss fight. Big meaty man slapping me. <laughs> That is what we saw in this match. Two big, meaty men slapping meat. I enjoyed the match, but I knew the entire time how it would finish. 
It's the second time Keith Lee has eaten a finisher without getting pinned, which I guess for those two matches on their own is a net positive because you don't want him to lose, okay? But then you have Orton punt kick Lee, which I assume gives him an excuse not to be in this match while setting him up as a potential contender. But dude, we had three disqualification finishes on Raw alone in one show. Keith Lee has been in like nine matches since he debuted, and he's only been de- he's only debuted for like seven weeks, okay? Um, but almost every single match, with the exception of him beating Orton on a pay-per-view, credit where it's due, that was good booking. Everything else has been a DQ or an interference or he hasn't been involved. And it's just like, why are you continuously having Keith Lee fight Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton? Put him on television, have him get wins, then have one match where he gets that opportunity to get inserted into the ambulance match. Rather than giving him like two opportunities and a million matches against Orton and having none of them finish. They are not doing this guy any favors for a guy that we thought was getting booked strong because of the first night he debuted on TV and his first pay-per-view match being a win over Randy Orton. Everything they have done with Keith Lee since has just been like, this guy is a spoke in the wheel who is being used to advance this other storyline and they just don't give a shit about him. If you're going to have him get wins, then have him beat smaller guys. Don't have him get DQ wins against bigger guys. It does absolutely nothing for him. The, this is an example of why WWE has had such a hard time building new stars for so long. They think just being in the presence of somebody else is like enough of a rub. And it's... They did it with that, Matt Riddle. They did it with Matt Riddle too, with AJ Styles. They're like, okay. Yep, he, he gets the win and then he's just, whatever. Is, is there any plan after that? Because right now I don't know there's any not, plan. And, yeah. and, and not only that, but... I believe this is the first time Keith Lee was wearing that singlet. So they, I was actually going to mention that. So they go, they go from, he was wearing a skirt, basically a skirt and shorts and a compression shirt to his shorts and a compression shirt. The second time we see him, then they had him wear an entire singlet top to bottom. Now this week it's a tank top and shorts again. So they've gone through four different versions of his gear. The, the compression shirt and the shorts, I think was the best of the group. The singlet was okay, but now they're just having him wear a tank top. And it's just like, let the guy be bare chested. He's a beast. Like he's a football player. Yeah. And his, his original NXT theme came up on my phone the other day when I was listening to some music and I was like, oh man, I forgot like so good, really how good this thing is and how much it's not the thing that's hurting him, but it, it's just, it's a thing that could be helpful if he had it, especially with the way they start the music. It makes no sense that they start with this intro and then it transitions to something completely else. That's not the biggest problem. It's not the biggest problem with what's going on. It's that he's not looking good. Like getting these DQ wins and being brushed aside at the end of a bunch of stuff because Randy and Drew have to do their thing. Like it's not, it's not helping. Like they, 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 believe in him and they have a lot of high hopes and high expectations for him, but this is not how you put somebody in the best position to succeed. It's just really, it's, it's so incredibly disappointing because we were so excited to see him and we're like, wow, they're treating him well. And again, it's the positivity where you're like, look, they're getting it right. And the feeling that we had coming out of SummerSlam 
and payback was in large part because of Keith Lee. Yep. It's just an example. Look, he's not ruined. Okay. I'm not saying he's dead in the water like I am retribution. No, no. Okay. He's going to probably get a title match, especially if Orton ends up winning the title, probably be the first contender. So there's a long runway left with Keith Lee and he has not lost. So he has not been killed by any means. But when you're talking about stuff like this, it is, are they doing the best job they could? And they're not even coming close. And the disqualification finishes are such a crutch that WWE utilizes. If you want to have one per show and you're going to use it to advance the storyline, I am 100% fine with that. Okay, You never made us a promise that you're not going to do DQ finishes. But you cannot have three of them on a go-home show. And you need to be smart enough to know that if you're just going to keep booking Keith Lee and DQ finishes, at least put him in some other matches where he's getting wins. Let him beat Adolf Ziggler or give Riddick Moss a regular match outside of Raw Underground and have Keith Lee win that. And then the following week, have him face Drew McIntyre. And if you need it to be a DQ for storyline purposes, then it's okay. But you cannot treat someone on his level the way they've treated him. It's just, it's going to be a failure. He's still, he's not getting pinned, but he's still taking finishes. And it's like, he's not, he's not shining. And and we need a little bit. And that doesn't mean throw him in a bunch of squash matches. There's just like, like, even if they had him take the Claymore, which they're not, weren't going to do this. But even if they had him take the Claymore and kick out and then Randy Orton attacked, it would have been better because at least you're showing that this guy can't be beaten and McIntyre is stunned by it. Oh my God. But that didn't happen. Because they're trying to sell the Claymore as a strong move, and they're trying to sell the RKO and the punt kick as a strong move. So it's right. just like, what the hell are like, they doing? It, he, he, he's been used to prolong this Drew Randy stuff, and we, we can get into that now. It's just It's been frustrating. He's not, he's not being buried. He's not done. It's just you're not highlighting him the right way. And when he comes out so hot after Summer Simon Payback, and it's like, this is the opportunity to start to build this guy. And they're not they're not doing that. And and we can transition now into the other stuff. But why? How is Drew McIntyre allowed to wrestle if he has a broken jaw? <laughs> right. Right. It's crazy. Twice. <laughs> like, like who's he was wearing? Who's, who's if he was clearing, wearing who's like, clearing him. If he was wearing yeah. some type of like face mask or something, yep. you know, OK, then then it's a protective covering and, and he's cleared by a doctor. Yeah. The, the, Cody, say, Ro- the, Co- the Cody Rhodes face. I know the heel thing, but the Cody Rhodes mask. You know, yeah. But like you, you just they're, they're saying, hey, look, you're not cleared. So you can't be here the next week. He's cleared from a fractured jaw. And like, that's the story. Is he better not get punched in the face <laughs> in this wrestling match? It's crazy. So, yeah. But moving forward from here, you had Orton's promo afterwards. That was absolutely fantastic. That's the most action I've had all year. I don't know about that, but it's the most action I had Monday night on Raw. He murdered that promo. It was top tier. The whole concept of Orton being in the ambulance, realizing what all of his victims feel when he normally punt kicks them. And now knowing what it's going to take for him to win back the WWE Championship. That is heel promo 101. It's the first time he's cut one of those to this level since the Edge feud. And to me, I I said this on Twitter, you do not cut a promo like that if you are not coming out of the pay-per-view as champion. To me, that solidified that Randy Orton will win the WWE Championship. Zero question about it. They already knew that that was going to happen because of the ambulance match stipulation, which totally gives 
Drew McIntyre an out, just like it gave Roman Reigns an out against Braun Strowman. This is a win for me, putting the title on Randy Orton, as long as it does not come with retribution attacking Drew McIntyre and that being the reason that Randy Orton wins. If you want retribution to attack Drew McIntyre, have them stop the ambulance as it's on its way out of the arena, pull him out of it and beat the crap of him, out of him. Do not have them factor into the finish of a WWE championship match, full stop. I agree that Randy's going to win. That's my pick. The way I, I I do think retribution is involved. The way I would like it to happen is Randy puts him in the ambulance. He's celebrating. It's over. The lights go out. Retribution come out. They jump in the ambulance and drive off with Drew McIntyre. And then we don't know what happened. And that's and that's the end of it. That that's I that's I think you a way you can make it kind of interesting and intriguing. Be like, oh, I can't wait to see what happens the next day. You get the title change you probably need at this point. Um, and who knows? I, I I don't want Drew and Randy to keep going. I think Drew needs a break from from that. Uh, so that's how I would book it. But my pick's Randy. Look, five-month title reign, there's nothing to sneeze at with that, okay? Drew McIntyre is a star. He is a big-time face. He is the number one face on Raw right now. The WWE Championship, his reign... And the, just the job he has done has 100% been successful. They gave him good matches with Lashley. Even with Ziggler, the matches were good, even if the storyline was a little convoluted. And the stuff with Randy Orton, largely, with the exception of the way they've relied a little bit too much on Keith Lee, it's been successful as well. So I know people want him to keep the title, but Randy Orton needs something now going forward. And you cannot have him lose to Drew McIntyre, considering the run that this guy is on. He has to win. He has to be the new WWE champion. Please, little prayer, keep retribution out of it or have them factor in after it's over. Allow Randy Orton to get the moment. He is strong enough. He's a 13-time world champion. He does not need retribution to help him beat Drew McIntyre. The ambulance stipulation, for me, does that enough. All right. Universal Championship, which I do believe will be our main event. Roman Reigns defending against his cousin, Jay Uso. So Uso's promo to open the show was pretty good, but Paul Heyman's storytelling about the Anoa'i family, Roman Reigns' ascension to become the tribal chief, and his match against his cousin, cousin at Clash of Champions, that was awesome. He is the absolute best Heyman at stuff like that. It was also great that we got a Roman Reigns promo coming out of the backside of it. Simple and strong. And I know you love that I nailed the pronunciation of that family on the first try. Yep. I had to. And I don't think that you would have. So I'm, I'm, no, giving, no, no. I'm giving double Barry Horowitz on that. Yeah. No. The, the, the video package with Paul Heyman narrating the family, you, uh, it was great. I couldn't help but, I don't know if chuckles were right word, but just like notice that they mentioned that Yokozuna is part of the family. When yeah, from kayfabe, good. Yeah, when, when you know Yokozuna was uh, the Japanese wrestler was how he was presented, and now we're admitting that that's not the case. So that's probably a step forward to to do that. But you can still call him Yokozuna. We just roll with it. It was it was a notable uh, acknowledgement. I also think it was good to see this from Heyman. Again, as I pointed out last week, a number of months or years ago when in kayfabe, Heyman pointed out the family and the idea of savages yep. with sticks in the nose. So that 
this is Heyman coming around on that and promoting that family. Uh, so yeah, just well done all around. I, you know, no, no, nobody thinks Jey Uso is going to win, but I think this has been a great example of how you can do a, tr- tr- I don't know, not transitional, but just like a, a short-term feud to just kind of move that that can still move things forward and keep things interesting. Jay looks better. This has made Roman look better. It's added a lot of uh, added a lot behind the character, even as he's not doing much. Um, so I just this has been really. Uh, really well done. I think we all think Roman's going to win. I don't know if you think anything's going to well, happen after that, but I, I think it's been uh, I think it's been really well done. Again, just SmackDown, just again, continues to do it just a very solid job. Well, the entire point here is, yeah, it's a transitional feud. It's a short-term feud. It's a unexpected feud, really more than anything. And the entire point is to get Roman Reigns over as a true heel. A legitimate yeah. heel where even his family won't come in his way. And that is the story that they told us without beating us over the head with it on Friday night. It's the exact opposite of some of the stuff we've talked about previously, where they needed to ram the storyline down our throat to make sure we knew what was happening. This was tactically done. You had Reigns and Uso in the tag team match against Baron Corbin and Sheamus. I think it was a Samoan street fight. It was a damn good match, and it was more brutal than I expected. Reigns was fantastic, showing constant aggressiveness with a no uh, no forks given attitude uh, with that low blow atop the table. Legal or not, that's not something he would normally do as a face, so it told you, hey, this guy's a heel. Then you had him hitting Sheamus with the Samoan drop on the table and driving him through the barricade with the spear. But what was great, the best stuff on WWE TV the entire week, all three brands, was the finish. Yep. Jey Uso using the title and forcing Reigns out of the way after Reigns hit the spear with the Samoan splash for the win. He basically said, G-T-F-O-H. Uh, you know, I'm trying to not say the words. Get the hell out of here, though. Um, I'm the one getting the pinfall. Splashes, Roman looks at him like, what the hell did you just do? How dare you take my pinfall. How dare you take my moment? It was really good for Jay to get the win. And Reigns sold the hell out of all of the emotions, simultaneously being pissed that Jay took the win, impressed by Jay's performance in the match, smiling huge when they hugged at the end, only to then have that smile turn into a scowl as Jay kept celebrating while walking backstage and obviously not following Jay and staying in the ring with Paul Heyman. You also had Heyman looking up at Reigns like he was scared at what the hell Reigns is going to do at Clash of Champions. That's just really good, consistent storytelling without beating you over the head with it. Something WWE sorely lacks. But in the Roman Reigns storyline, they are absolutely nailing it. And I thought they crushed it in the main event on Friday night. Yep. I, I think, like I said, they just they've nailed all the little bits of this. We talked about how the point of this is to make Roman a heel. I think uh, I, I know you've talked about wanting to get a Samoan stable out of this. I think it's a great idea. But what I think is going to happen here is that Roman is going to brutalize Jay, mm-hmm. um, whether that's after the match, whether that's during the match. This is the moment where we have to have Roman officially make that turn of it's not, this is more important than family. Uh, 
I'm I'm here to to wreck ship. This is my island. Uh, and if you're in my way, I'm going to run you over. The question I have is if he does do that to Jay, then, and this is not something we need to really discuss now, but what do they do with them long-term? Because I don't know that you can have them on the same brand with him as faces where when he does that to one of them, right? Uh, you can't necessarily move them to Raw because then you also have to move Naomi to Raw. And while I don't think you would need to move Reigns, it does seem like he, you know, I would assume likes being on the same show as his cousins, right? And his, um, I guess Naomi technically is no relation to him, but somewhat family, right? In some regard. So I don't know what they do from a storyline perspective to build it back. But yes, theoretically, he could beat the absolute crap out of Jay. I don't know how much longer Jimmy is out. I think it was nine months. Maybe there are already five into it or so. So maybe then he sits out for another four months, comes back, and, and they just kind of forget it ever happened. That is my only concern. But look, they weren't doing anything with Jey Uso regularly anyway, so it doesn't really matter. It's a very good, interesting in-between match to have at a pay-per-view, a title match. It also delays the Bray Wyatt feud or whatever they're going to do with Roman Reigns next for Hell in a Cell, which is a pay-per-view where really you want something like that to happen. Top to bottom, you know, maybe the Bailey Sasha Banks storyline is the best book thing the WWE has done, but in a very short period of time, this is moved up to number two. And I'm very excited to see the match transpire, despite the fact that we both know Roman Reigns is going to win and retain the title. Yep, yep. And I I mean, you know, you could keep Jay around and, and maybe he just gets into intercontinental feuds or just main event or whatever. I think he's done a good job here. And I, I think, you know, he can do something outside of a tag team. And, and it's, you know, it's tough when it's your twin brother, but he's got a lot of time here. It could... Maybe this knocks him out for a month or two or whatever and then and, and goes on. Maybe he stays with dealing with Roman or something. Maybe he doesn't. But I, I don't think he just necessarily has to be written out for five months. Although I will say I think that's probably most likely. No, no, he definitely doesn't have to be. But, I, but I'm thinking it's more like a two to three month thing. Like they may know Jimmy's coming back very soon. So they're just like, hey, this is a good way to give us a storyline, write Could him be. off a little bit. But then they come back as a tag team. And yeah, if Jimmy's back soon, I think that'd be great. I, I'm just yeah. if I was thinking if he's three, four months down the road still. If, if um, yeah, was. I don't know. I mean, I, I would really have to look. But mem if memory serves, he got hurt after WrestleMania, so we're in September. So yeah, yeah that that's just my guess. But anyway, you know, I would say overall expectation level for WWE Clash of Champions Gold Rush. We didn't even really talk about the the tagline. And by the way, let's just say it's actually a good tagline that they have not overused, and therefore I'm fine with it. I actually kind of wish they did overuse it because they could have done a couple, like, in order to explain some of these number one contenderships, they could have easily said, we're having a gold rush at WWE Clash of Champions. We're going to have four number one contender matches over the next two weeks. You know what I mean? Like, they really could have booked into this, whereas the horror show was like a throwaway stupid one. This one was actually good, and they kind of just didn't use it. So... I thought that was strange, but I do think Gold Rush is a good tagline for the show. Uh, I would say I'm moderately interested. Yeah, there's probably three or four matches I care about. The rest of the show, I don't. I think that does give WWE the opportunity to do what they did at Payback and shock us with a B-plus to A-level pay-per-view. But if I'm being totally honest, where from Payback, we could have said, look, the match quality could be really good. They could surprise us here. 
looking at this, despite the wrestlers being good and that are involved, I just, I, I don't think the storylines are there where we're going to come out of this saying it's going to be more than a C plus or a B minus show. I think that's the ceiling and that's, that sucks. Yeah, I, I've got like B minus expectations, C plus expectations going in, but that does that does provide the opportunity to over deliver, and maybe that means we have some good matches or some twists that 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 are a big deal. And and you know, it wasn't a great build into this. Maybe it's not a great fallout out of it, but it could still be a decent show for for a one off. So low expectations. Uh, certainly there's like I said, three, four matches that I'm actually looking forward to quite a bit. The intercontinental match, the, the raw, the, the universal championship match, the, uh, WWE championship match. And those are the three, those are the three yeah. really good matches on the show. Yeah. And in the, in the intercontinental match, look, looking for, I think I said, said that one. Yeah. yeah but, but yeah, so there's like three, four matches that I'm like really looking forward to. It's just, how much are the, are the other ones going to really drag it all down, or or how are they going to space this out? Are they going to are they going to save the big matches for the end and finish strong, or, or what? I'm curious how it lays out as well. Yeah, I mean, I do think they have opportunities, even in the Raw match for the tag team titles. If they do make a change and they work together really well, that is a storyline, and that could be a very good match from a wrestling work rate standpoint. So there are things that can be surprises on this show, but I just. If I'm going to set the expectation level, it's going to be in that C plus B minus range. And that's really unfortunate considering what WWE legitimately accomplished in August. They gave us two shows that surprised us. Payback shocked us. And now going into the next pay-per-view, after we had our high hopes and we gave them the opportunity to give us great television, they did on SmackDown largely. But Raw, it's largely been a failure. And I think that is a fair mindset to have going into this show. Now, you know, I just mentioned on, I think, a prior episode, maybe the last two episodes of Getting Over, how excited I was that we had a large period of time where there'd be a singular pay-per-view, but not much would happen. Uh, so we'd be able to calm down and do fewer episodes. So what does WWE do? They go ahead and announce a new NXT takeover, basically out of nowhere, a couple of weeks from now. So the Silver King is going to be back doing some three episode a week shows. Uh, but next up, obviously, on this program, we will have a full breakdown of NXT and AEW on Thursday. And then Sunday night, immediately after WWE Clash of Champions, Gold Rush is off the air. We will have instant analysis of that pay-per-view. Look for that Sunday night slash early Monday morning. And then the following week, we'll be back with our normal WWE show on Tuesday. And let's just hope, Chris, it is not a bitch fest about the Raw after Clash of Champions because, man, this week, I mean, we basically did an entire show just in the main event just talking about retribution. I hope that we don't have to do that again. Nevertheless, excited uh, to do these shows for you. Thrilled that we will have another instant analysis on Sunday night, so do not forget about that. Now, that is the end of today's show for Chris Vanini, who you can follow on Twitter at Chris Vanini. This is the Silver King Adam Silverstein, who you can follow at Silverstein. Adam, do not forget to follow the show at Getting Overcast and do us a favor. Go back to being marks for us. Stop being marks for yourselves and go back to being a mark for me. And drop those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to fine audio. By the way, we are now on Amazon Music, apparently. So if you have those Echo devices in your home, 
I don't know why you'd want to, but you can listen to my voice on your Echo devices now. You can listen to Chris. You can listen to us talk about wrestling everywhere throughout your home. And by the way, if you have Google devices like I do, you can already do that because we are on the Google Store as well. But for Chris Vanini, this is the Silver King Adam Silverstein. We'll give Savage another day off. I only have three words left for you. Bye for now.